Welcome back, friends. Hello. This is Hi. our podcast, Two Yoke Girls. I'm Jillian. This is Lorraine. Hi. And we just sit around and talk about things that feel fun. <laughs> I'm working I wish. on that intro. I'm working I wish. On that intro. Yeah, all day long. That's all we do. <laughs> We're right here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but when we do it, it actually kind of does feel like that, it that does. we just get to... S- to sit and talk about things that matter to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like having coffee with your best girlfriend. So today, um, we're going to piggyback a little bit off of a podcast we did recently about challenge, Mm. um, and pivot it to a little bit more conversation about resistance and self-compassion, uh, which is your, like jam right now, right? I love it. I'm not going to say that it's easy at all. Um, The more I dive into it, the more it reveals places where maybe there wasn't self-compassion at one point and I didn't even know it, right? So Mm -hmm. it's been, yes, it's been incredible and amazing. And I think over this past couple months, I might've ditched some things that were holding me back Oh, because of self-compassion. Yeah. What? Are you going to tell us? You kind of know about it. Don't you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It feels <laughs> monumental. <laughs> it it um it's that messy, mucky stuff that it doesn't feel like ta-da. You know, it feels like a pretty slow-ish process. But yeah, I feel like I did it. So you know, I did a um, self-compassion presentation, and when I present something, I test it out, make sure that it works. I try and poke holes in it. And uh, in leading up to presenting, I felt like it forced me to really get honest with my own internal voices and what does hold me back. And so, yeah, I can talk more about the specifics, but um, it just felt like one of the things self-compassion has you do and has you work with is establishing a place where you are loved and supported regardless of any external forces. So this idea of shit can hit the fan and you still have that place to land. And so I think what I did is I really established the voice, the awareness, the connection to that landing place within. And so it didn't matter. It doesn't matter what anybody says or thinks about what I'm doing in that more public place of something like social media. because I'm fine. And I know that I'm fine for sure. Um, do you think, well, first of all, that's fantastical. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is to like, no, you're fine deep down. It's funny. I think it's a practice. I think for some people, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think for some people it might come more naturally. I don't know if it's like, birth order or the way that they were raised or whatever it is. But I, I feel like, and it's a difference between, I feel like from a young age, I've had kind of this, just this, um, inner thing that makes me feel like I'm going to be okay. Mm. Right. Like I can remember, (laughs) this is such a silly story, but I can remember being in the fourth grade and I was like, just getting a little awkward looking 
obviously, um, in that time period. And somebody had said something about my nose, <clears throat> which I still, as an adult, think I have a big nose. But I can remember looking at myself in the mirror in fourth grade and being like, no, you're pretty. Like, mm. I think you're pretty. And just knowing in my being that, like, it's it didn't matter. Like I really, I was like, wait, I'm going to be pretty. I know it. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. I love that story. So I was talking to my therapist to try and kind of get to the bottom of like, why does this feel so like gritty in terms of why is it not easy? I I know what self-love means. I know what it's supposed to feel like. Why does it feel like I'm bumping up against some barrier. And she talked a little bit about family systems, like where you are in your birth order, where, what role you might play in your family. Um, and then conditioning, did you have coaches, you know, parents, even places. So we also talk about the fact that I'm from California and then there's this sort of East coast mentality, which is really different. And so some of that comes into our conditioning of like, just get through it, you know, like snow days here, they do not slow you down. You get like a minute to shovel out and then go. Right. And there's something in that push of like, don't slow down. Do not cry about the weather. Just keep going. Your yeah. tears will freeze on your cheek if you cry. So yeah. don't. <laughs> right. So there's all that stuff that we're sort of playing with when it comes to what is said in your head that nobody else hears. And if nobody else hears it, what's the impetus to change it? You know, there's mm. got to be some reason of why you would want to cut into the things that come naturally. If they've gotten you far enough, you know, usually a critical voice will get you far enough. Mm. And then maybe if it starts to turn and is no longer a clean burning fuel, like it creates some anxiety, it creates a, l- a little bit of self-judgment or self-doubt, um, then maybe there's an impetus to change it. Or you just see that there's a different way to be. So instead of saying like, oh, you idiot, what are you doing? You might say something like, it's all right, just pick it up and keep going. Or you're fine. You've got this. The other thing that's really interesting about the voices in your head is it's more effective when you actually talk to yourself with your name. Mm. You've said so that like, before. yes, it's so fascinating. So Kristen Neff talks about using a term of endearment and that felt not easy for me. It felt kind of weird, yeah. but if I use a nickname that other people use for me, it felt really easy. Like low, it's okay. Right. Mm. Um, right. that felt like it came more, more quickly to have that voice of like, low, you've got this keep running for one more mile. And that'll take about seven or eight minutes. You're fine. Right. Mm. And so it's easier to keep going instead of like, you idiot, don't slow down. You're not hurting. That's not going to help me. Whereas like, Mm -hmm. low, come on, just keep going. Take a big breath. All right, ready? And then you go. Yeah. I'd rather puke on my shoes than call myself (laughs) sweetheart, though. (laughs) Darling. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sweetheart, keep going. No, I couldn't. But I can do it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's just so interesting. I think when I, I can always relate to it because we talk about it a lot in yoga class, it with the, with the stretching. And really when I think about it and when I talk to it is in half pigeon, Mm. um, when people are in half pigeon, because so many people love half pigeon, if it doesn't hurt their knees, Mm -hmm. um, they, and they feel like they're doing this very productive stretch Mm. um, for their glutes and their outer hips. And so many people resist 
putting a block or a towel underneath mm. their, their bum when their hip is popped up. And you can see, so like when they're, when they're there and their head's down, you can see if tension is still there in their mm-hmm. shoulders or in their fingers or mm-hmm. the way that they are breathing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you can also, but then you can see the people who are able to relax into it. Mm. And it's the people who are able to relax into it that they've found where the edge is and they've backed up just an inch, not mm. pushed over the edge an inch. So they back up just an inch from the edge and it provides them more space to go deeper. Mm. So it's the opposite of what you would think where I'm going to push my hip down to the ground with um, either have somebody push it or I'm going to keep pushing it and that will make progress. But that's Mm -hmm. not it. The muscle will sense that it's gone past its edge and for safety reasons will tighten up. Mm -hmm. So it's the exact opposite of what you want. If you just give it a little bit of space and breath and calm, it will actually make more, more progress. And so we talked about it as like, you can white knuckle your way through a lot of things. You can push your way through a lot of things, but you are, you'll get through that way, but you won't get beyond. Like you Mm -hmm. won't grow, you won't make progress. I think Mm -hmm. it's so important for people to think about, and especially with negative self-talk. Yeah. It'll get you through and it might motivate you in the short term, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to break any boundaries for you. It's not going to allow you to grow. It's not going to give you permission to rise and fall and rise Mm -hmm. back up again. Mm -hmm. It's just going to get you right to that point and it's not going to let you go past. And then you'll feel kind of stuck. Yeah. Literally stuck at that point. You're right. It also makes me think of a seatbelt, you know, when it locks up Mm. and you feel like you just want to keep pulling it and it feels like, oh, come on. Like it's stuck and you're in a hurry and you just keep yanking. And until there's that almost weird awareness in the mechanisms of the seatbelt that you're safe, right? So I think safety is a big part of what we're talking about too, like mentally, physically, nervous system safe then it's that feeling of like enough room to breathe steady and slow enough space to take a full exhale so that you'll inflate again in a place of ease. So you're no longer in fight and flight. So you release the seatbelt just a little so that it's no longer, it goes backward and you feel like how, you know, there's not going to be any progress. if It's going backward. It has to go back in that feed of the mechanism and then you'll pull one more time and it all stretches across and finally fastens. Right. So it's really interesting to think about how important it is to be safe and connected and taken care of and almost cradled right in yoga. We often do this kind of swaying and moving so that the mechanisms of your brain and your body self soothe. And if you'll know a new mom who's waiting in line at the grocery store, you know, she's still kind of rocking. It's almost in her nervous system that that's what she's been doing all day to get the baby to take a nap. Yes. (laughs) But in any case, I think that what we're talking about is that safety and it comes with self-compassion. So that idea of having a kind coach, maybe even stern, strong, kind coach, parent, 
same thing, like they set boundaries, but there's this compassion and, and a place to land and be supported versus a critic who's ready to cut you off at the knees and kind of tear you down. Um, and I think of various relationships and even friends, you know, some I can really feel like they're propping me up and holding me and supporting me. And then I'll have another conversation with somebody who it feels like they're almost questioning and cutting me off a little bit at the knees instead of really propelling. So it reminds me of where I want to put my energy and how I want to feel, whether it's yoga or life or friendships, you know, it's such good stuff. Yeah. I, the, the biggest convincer to me about self-compassion is that it allows you to, to fail um, <sighs> forward. And I really mm-hmm. don't think, actually, I, we know we know that you're not getting out of this life without failing. Um, It's just going to happen. And so there's that aspect of it that like you will have a place, you'll always have a place to land that Mm -hmm. feels okay. Even when outside circumstances have predicted. And then even more than that, like it takes a lot. I think it takes a lot of balls, excuse my language, but for us to, to do what we've done in, in, in our business. And, but at, even at the same time, like I know in my core that if, if anything ever happened or if the studios ever failed, there's still a place, there's still a support system. There's still all the people who are there. Like there's still my family and my friends and, mm-hmm. and there's still more beyond it. And I think anybody who is going to go to highest heights, not mm-hmm. that our yoga studios are highest heights, but anybody yeah, who's going to do that has to be okay with failing or mm-hmm. else you would never try. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's like a, it's a secret weapon. It's like a powerful mm-hmm. source that allows you to like rule the part of your world that you want to rule. There's the nothing other, mushy about it, you know, like it's really powerful. The other really interesting thing about it is it allows you to be accountable So you can say, I'm sorry, quicker. You can take responsibility faster. If you know that your self-worth is not built on a house of cards, you know, if I'm afraid of what you'll think of me, I might not tell you that I made a mistake. But if I know that I'm going to be okay, even if you think that I did the worst thing ever, I can tell you and be accountable and know that I'm still going to be okay. So it helps you be more honest. It helps you engage in a way that you know you can make change even when you make mistakes because you're right. It's guaranteed. I guarantee you that if you're human, you will make a mistake. You will feel like the bottom falls out from under you and congratulations. That means you took a leap, right? And so I think that's where we get to normalize that fact of like, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to be okay either way. One way I'll fly. The other way I might fall flat on my face, but that falling flat is okay because I know even regardless of my family and my friends, I can pick myself back up mm-hmm. and I could admit to them like, oh, you know about the face plant today. Right. And then it's like, oh, no way you got back up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what we do. Yeah. That's what I want my kids to do. Like if there's one lesson I want them to, to be able to have in life, it's really that it's just that there, you know, there's all, you're always safe. And you're going to make a million mistakes. Kids make so many mistakes, like Mm -hmm. daily. Mm -hmm. It must be really hard. Like you forget as an adult how many mistakes you're making on a day-to-day basis because you're just testing. You're testing how much to 
talk back or, you know, is, am I, am I going to do this at school? Am I going to do, try to do this with my chores? Like all these things every day, there's, you're trying to find a boundary. And so if they, and that's normal. And if they know that they have a place to land, right, where they're safe, I think there's just a little bit even less pushing. Yeah. For, for that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it was really interesting. I had a conversation with somebody who English is her second language and she came to the U.S. when she was like 40. And I love talking to her because those little um, idiosyncrasies in language are so lovely of how our brains work and how we make sense of things and how we put things together. You know, it's like conjugation things that are a little different. It just boggles my mind at how much we can grow and put things together in a way that feels different, but super understandable. And it gives me that room to give credit to people who are learning new things and taking the risks and doing things differently. It's such a fun way to look at the world and remember that there's always room to learn something. You don't have to be perfect. And there's in fact more charm when there are imperfections. Mm. I love it. So good. Yeah. Yep. It's our secret weapon. Well, not oh. that we practice it all the time. <laughs> no, I know. And my favorite other thing is I don't want it to be a secret. I want everybody to have that space where like, oh, tell me about your biggest failure because there is probably the biggest achievement or success or proud moment right alongside it. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Well, you'll have to do another um, self-compassion. Yes. Workshop. And it was so nice to have you there. I can't even tell you because I was wicked nervous. It meant a lot to me. And I was still sort of in the throes of like, you know, getting to the other side of my own support and commitment to it. And I think the next one's going to be experiential so that Mm. we feel it first, put our guards down. People shared and it was great. It was amazing. Um, But I think there's room for more. Yeah. I think uh, you have a superpower that you don't even know, which is that people show up for you. I Mm. think it's probably because you show up for people. Um, But even with this like internal voice of like, did they love it? Did they get anything Mm -hmm. from it? You know, probably deep down, do they love me? Mm. Um, It's funny because I think anybody from the outside would be like, "Uh, yeah, they show up for everything you do because you you make them feel a certain way. So like, it's just funny when it's yourself, how you can't see it as easily. Oh yeah. The deep down therapy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The deep, the deep down is, am I good enough? Do I know enough? Like, am I, you know? Yes, of course. I think that's probably everybody's deep down, but then I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Well, and I can say there's a resounding yes for everyone. You are absolutely good enough. Yeah. And it's almost being good enough to let yourself fall. Like, yeah, resounding yes forever. Like, I'll raise my hand. I'll show up. Yes. Oh, good. Good. Um, So thank you for everything. Yes, so good. I know. So have a good everything. And I'll play us out. I think I'm ready. Here's our guy, Mikey. Mike Borgonzano, who is overwhelmingly busy and only teaches one class for us Wednesday nights. It's your guilt, Mike. Exactly. What what time is it? 6.45? 6. On on Wednesdays. Thanks, Jill. I would have been late. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.